Welcome to Sound DeFi, the podcast that delivers key insights from today's thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, and private market asset data. I'm your host, Chris Berg. I'm here with the chairman and CEO of Invenium Capital Partners, Pat O'Meara. Pat, welcome back to the show. Uh, big news. You and Relta Markets have now created a partnership. Tell us why this is such great news for the private markets. Yeah, I, I think the first concept that we need to put in play is that private markets trading is not a solution that a single vendor will deliver. It's building an ecosystem. And it's an ecosystem that facilitates the delivery of the services and technology needed to deliver global trading of private market assets digitally. And to do that, you need a ton of people in the ecosystem, right? We, we need data feeds, we need valuation experts, we need fund administrators, we need transfer agents, we need lawyers, we need uh, accountants, we need data oracles, we need valuation tools, we need calculation tools, we need general ledgers, we need waterfall solutions. And all of those lead up to connecting all that data to a smart token. And then that token is going to be connected to legacy systems and smart contracts, which are gonna do calculation that inform the value of that token. And at that moment, we can then do things like primary issuance and secondary trading of these instruments, which is kind of the flowering of or the you know the end state of this pathway to liquidity that you need partners like Rialto. And it's not Rialto by themselves, it's Rialto with all those other folks, and then Rialto also with these other ATSs. And what we're doing is we're beginning to see this ecosystem really take shape, where we're able to partner with world-class folks like Sherry Nuna, the CEO and founder of Rialto, who has an incredibly impressive background running secondary markets and digital marketplaces for the likes of Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank in where she has now stood up Rialto, that we're taking both an investment in, we're signing a partnership with, where we're gonna be supplying services and technology. And then in addition to this, we're gonna be connecting them to a number of other folks in our ecosystem. And they're gonna just make our ecosystem, which we're looking at expanding globally with folks in Brazil and Peru and Singapore and India and Middle East and in UAE. And then, you know, tying that into our partnerships that we already have in Europe and the UK and the other ATSs we have in the US and then other exchanges in the US that we're talking to and saying, Rialto is going to be an anchor. They're going to be a massive expansion of talent and technology to build up this ecosystem as the ecosystem achieves critical mass. Does that make sense? 100%. One of the things that's so exciting is you start to lay out this vision is that we've seen, you know, four times the amount of capital going into private markets over the past 10 years versus public. You see a lot less IPOs. And one of the things I love about Rialto Markets is their tagline. And I want you to talk about how Invenium helps facilitate this, but their tagline is bringing private markets to the public. It's like, Thank goodness. So talk to us about that. And how does Invenium help facilitate that? 
for sure, there's two or three immediate benefits that I want to talk about of Rialto's value proposition being realized or actualized in the world at scale that it benefits the entire economy. Number one, in this world of significant inflation, where dollar-denominated assets are depreciating and dollar savings is being eroded by a meaningful rate every year, you need to be in inflation-proof assets, things that will inflate uh, with the loss of the value of the dollar. And that's an argument for crypto and all sorts of other things, but it's also an argument for investment in assets that you can buy at a reasonable price that will inflate. And, you know, the stock market was at all time highs. There's clearly been a little bit of a pullback and maybe a lot of a pullback, depending on which <laughs> stocks we're talking about, right, in tech. And there's a lot of blood on the streets. But the ability to put money into these assets in order to get yield, and these assets can be real assets in the form of real estate, infrastructure, private equity, private credit, but also alternative funds uh, where you're putting your money to work in a, a fund that an alternative manager is helping you manage and make those picks but where it's now going to be listed on a bulletin board. And so, A, you have access to assets that you're not buying at crazy multiples, but will hopefully not only retain value, but grow and are somewhat inflation resistant. That's number one. Number two, if you're already a small business owner, this gives you access to capital in a new venue that for small businesses, and we've been talking to Small Business Administration, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, this is one of the biggest issues is the first people who are cut off from credit in down markets are small businesses. Mm -hmm. Yet they're the last people to lay off in a recession and they're the first people to hire. So they're really the ballast of the U.S. economy, right? And they're the ones that we want to support having greater access to capital, but also having this multiple compression because there's not really a yield curve between public and private assets. It's a cliff, right? If you're public, the multiples are huge. The liquidity is massive. And if you're not, it's it's a huge drop off. And what we're trying to do is help steady that. And as more people have gotten into it, you see that cliff has gotten less steep, but we need things like price discovery. We need things like the ability to audit the inputs at the edge, where the data at the edge is composable. You can see the authenticity of it. You can see the source of it. You can see how it's processed. You can see how the asset's valued. You can see how the investor calculation and this greater transparency is going to do away with this lack of data or the discount for lack of marketable information. But also, it's called DLM. And so with that the discount for lack of marketability. And so with this good information, you're going to be able to market it, right? That DLM is going to go down. You're also going to see information asymmetry go away, right? One of the reasons you invest with alternatives managers is they understand the market better than everybody else, and they have access to data that others don't. And so with, with Invenium, we provide a great leveling. We provide greater access to data. It's more real time. There's better comps. You're getting third parties to deliver marks on a regular periodic basis and credential the data as it's, you know, using Invenium, as it's going into those valuation agents, you're going to see this price discovery. With that, 
the multiple pop from a private market to a public market, we might be able to compress quite a bit and get some nice multiple expansion for the smaller companies. And that's our stated goal, right? Now to achieve that, we need to build this ecosystem, right? And we need to do it in a regulatory compliant manner, which is why we're plugging into Rialto and supporting them and their, you know, their great capabilities, their great staff, their great technology, but with great data attached to those private market instruments, they're going to be able to perform better. The other nice thing is you brought up going from private to public, you know, with Rialto is the fact because they're going through Reg A plus is that, you know, that once the money's raised, the liquidity is almost instantaneous for the investor and obviously the stockholders, which if you want to address that, great. I also wanted to back up to your comment about the small businesses and access to liquidity from the standpoint, we see where the markets are going. You know, the Fed's going to continue to raise rates that may dry up some of the access to capital for some of these small businesses. Does this platform, this ecosystem provide more competitive rates and easier access to capital for these small businesses or? You know, one of the goals here is we're trying to unlock this trapped liquidity and trapped equity in all these small businesses Mm. and in many of these real estate assets, right? As, you know, the Federal Reserve really ballooned up their balance sheet to shore up markets. And in order to, you know, they did it for many reasons, good and bad, right? And I, you know, I want to refer everybody to, you know, the lords of easy money, right? But the president of the Kansas City Fed, Honig, literally in 09, 10, 11, and 12, called exactly what's happening today. And he was vilified for this, but he was 100% right that the ballooning of the the Federal Reserve balance sheet would be a systematic attack on the saver, the American saver and the dollar-denominated saver and uh, in a a redistribution to them because only those who were uh, the beneficiaries of this purchasing on the Fed balance sheet, which supported pricing and drove pricing, you know, to these massive multiples, they benefited in an uneven manner. And so with that being said, as the Fed shrinks its balance sheet, right? So it's not just rate hikes, it's rate hikes and they're they're shrinking their balance sheet, which means they're selling assets. So there's weight on the bid, right? So not only are you having normal trading, but you got somebody who's exiting the market for good, right? So they're selling that asset, getting cash, and then they're not putting that cash back into the market. They're selling that good, exiting the market, and they're eradicating that dollar. They're literally burning it because they're taking liquidity out of the marketplace, right? QE added it. In this case, you know, so they're stepping on the bid and they're stepping on the bid to the tune of $9 trillion, which they're going to shrink and they haven't set a target. But my bet is it's going to be like four to five trillion is where they're going to end up in a year or two. That's a heavy step on the bid. Well, what's another way we can get somebody to prop the bid? right, who can counteract this government-centric, centralized liquidity support by unlocking private market liquidity, right? You've got an asset that you've held for a long time. We give you better data. We give you better marks. You can borrow against it. You can sell a piece of it. And what happens is the private market liquidity starts to flow. Banks who've been reluctant lenders, even though money's been massively you know, available to them, have been reluctant lenders to the lower end of the 
business size, right? The small to medium businesses in America. And as they do this, we want to unlock some of that. We want to counteract this stepping on the bid by the Federal Reserve as they sell assets and retire the dollar, not sell assets and recirculate the dollar, which is a very different economic proposition, right? And I'm not sure people understand when they say, what does delevering mean? It means somebody selling and burning the cash, right? And when you're talking about that in the trillions, you begin to understand what's happening a little bit into the market right now. Yeah, another day I want to talk to you about this burning the cash, because if the cash is truly being burned, I'd like to know why the inflation rate is the way it is if we're decreasing the money supply. But that's for another day. Let's talk about No, no, no. can I answer that real quick and we'll have another session on it, you know, and talk about it in depth. But that's the lagging indicator of what happened. We're seeing the consequence of what happened over nine to ten years. Right. And there were a number of things that held the inflation in check, but it's now a rubber band coming back and it's not going to be an immediate drop off. It's going to taper if we do the right things, meaning raising rates, delever the balance sheet, take dollars off. The strength of the dollar is going to go up. And, you know, there's both pros and cons of this. Do you know what I mean? And U.S. manufacturing, which has grown, which we needed to have happen. There's consequences for different parts of the economy of the dollar being uh, manipulated the way that it has been over many, many, many years. And as we do that and we brought manufacturing back, they're going to have a harder time of it, right, because of the stronger dollar. As we printed more and more and more dollars and the dollar became weaker, they benefited in moving manufacturing onto the U.S. soil. We benefited, which is strategic, and we need it. But the point is – we need to talk about this as a society in a more constant, intelligent manner that what does QE do and what does a non-QE, right? You know, NQE, which I don't know if you remember, but Jeremy Powell said that this is not QE. And so the market started jokingly calling it NQE and it's quantitative <laughs> easing, but with an N in front of it, but it's the exact same thing, right? And so when non-QE stopped, you know, NQE stopped, which is was really QE3, arguably four, depending on how you want to slice, literally this is we become addicted to the cheap, easy money. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point about the public. There was a recent Axios Ipsos poll that showed that only 8% of Americans knew the actual two functions of the Fed. And I'm thinking these people are debasing your money and only so that's again for another day, but I think it's a very important conversation to educate America about. And it's why private markets need additional yeah. levers and outlets to so, gain liquidity because our economy needs this. So that brings me to my question. I'm a small business owner. I see rates going up. I see them tightening the balance sheet, but I know I need capital. I see the SEC putting out a document around ESG scores. I'm a little concerned about what that means. So walk me through this onboarding process. You've talked about the ecosystem and some of your other partners. So I come to Invenium and or Rialto Markets. I want access to capital. I want to maybe tokenize some real estate I have or other assets. What's that onboarding process? Yeah, for sure. And so Invenium, right, we're a software provider that allows you to present your data in a manner that the market can trust. But we're not somebody who raises you capital. 
Do you know what I mean? We allow you to raise capital better because you're credentialing the data, you're getting third-party marks, you're maintaining your data so that you can go to those markets and they can be more successful. So what we're doing is we're a tool that equips you to raise money using all of these various different ATS outlets, right, for primary or secondary. And primary is gonna be harder at the beginning, really. So this is, we're gonna see secondary where you're getting marks, you're getting liquidity on assets that you already own that are up and stabilized and performing, whether it's a business, an infrastructure asset, a credit asset, or a real estate asset. And what we're doing is helping credential that, bringing in a third party like a Cushman and Wakefield, a JLL, a CBRE, a Hulihan Loki, Mercer, Deloitte, Baker Tilly, Value Strat, and I'm forgetting one of our partners, um, but those are the, you know, we have nine primary partners that it will deliver a mark on an asset using the data flow that we're generating for them on an automated basis where that credentialing. And we help you get your asset ready. You go into the market with Rialto or one of these other ATSs, and you can list them on multiple ATSs. And what this is going to do is instead of building one silo of liquidity, Rialto, you're going to be able to aggregate liquidity across these silos in order to clear unique specific trades. And that's the goal of why we're building this DeFi, decentralized network of providers that in a collaborative, you know, coopetition, right, they're able to deliver liquidity in a broad manner. And this is why it's so important that it's not just one ATS it's multiple ATSs in a decentralized network that we're able to do this. And that decentralized network, we need to be able to do things like prove compliance, you know, regular way compliance. And we might have automated compliance in the future, but who knows? But proving multi-jurisdictional compliance for trading across borders, whether the ATS is in Singapore, whether the ATS is in the UAE, whether it's in Brazil, whether it's in Milan, whether it's in uh, New York or Connecticut, right? I mean, you know, wherever it is, we want those to be able to facilitate delivering liquidity so that we can start to show real supply. And we think large companies, as well as these small to medium business owners, are going to, in order to get the better marks, get that price discovery, able to carry that with a better accounting treatment on their balance sheet because of the observability of input, we're going to see a flowering of this entire network. It's exciting stuff. Pat, I've got a minute left. I'll give you 60 seconds for the last word. Anything else you want to share, Al, that I haven't asked you? Well, Chris, thanks for having us on. And and it's an exciting time. The private markets are going to see outlets that they've not seen before that are going to facilitate this decentralized exchanges. And we're going to go back to where we were literally 80 to 120 years ago, where there was a Denver exchange and a Salt Lake City exchange and a Minneapolis and a Seattle and you name it, every city had them. And then there was a consolidation, which was great because it facilitated technology utilization. But the limited number of exchanges that exist today are much bigger, but much fewer listings. And what we're doing is we're now facilitating all of these additional listings 
in a regulatory compliant way where people are going to be able to have better information and more surety to invest in the small businesses that they know and patronize. Fantastic. Pat O'Meara, Chairman and CEO of Venium Capital Partners. You can find out more at Invenium.io. This is the Sound DeFi podcast. We deliver key insights from today's thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, and private market asset data. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Thanks for joining us. Join us again here soon.